You are listening to Rouge, White and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Welcome to Rouge, White and Blue CFL Podcast. Happy 2023. That's the first chance I get to say it here in mid-February. Hashtag is it June yet? Joining me, as always, for another season of the Rouge Right Blue is my co-host, Joe Pritchard, freezing out there in Wisconsin. Joe, how have you been? It's above freezing. It's fine. <laughs> and and I'm feeling really fine about the fact that there's Lawler, Damsky, Schoen. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good about my receiving core all of a sudden. <laughs> Man, already jumping the gun. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about CFL free agency, CFL free agency season just opened, and that's what's happening right now. Joe has to talk hot stove stuff because, damn, he needs a hot stove. Uh, joining us on the show this week is Brandon Williams, a freelance sports writer based in Galveston, Texas. He writes for the big league's official site, CFL.com. He's their fantasy football specialist. That's right. Right, Brandon? You're the fantasy football specialist. That is correct. Uh, right. I've been uh, their fantasy football specialist, one of their fantasy football specialists uh, since 2017. So I will be starting my sixth season uh, with the league this June. Uh, very excited. And after watching the first couple of days of free agency, very interested to start toggling around with fantasy football rankings. Well, Brandon, thanks for joining us again, since we've already jumped into it. Um, now, among those six seasons, you're not counting 2020, are you? No. Okay. Right. Because I understand the fantasy uh, writing was pretty easy that, that year. Oh, yeah. Very easy. Very, yeah. <laughs> very easy. You know, it started off with a blank slate and ended with a blank slate. <laughs> it, was the one, it was the one chance you had of writing something and knowing you wouldn't be wrong about it, right? Exactly. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I mean, as they say, everyone starts the year in first place. Uh-huh. Yeah. Everybody okay. ended the year in first place that year. <laughs> right. So, okay, Brandon. Well, uh, you're a first-timer here on Blue Swipe Blue. Uh, you are an American. So, of course, the requisite question is, how'd you get into the CFL? I got into the CFL, prob- uh, I want to say in 1982 during the NFL player strike. Oh, wow. I was uh, looking for football uh, on Sundays, and it so happened that uh, my uncle had ESPN, and I started watching the CFL. I, was, I think the first game I saw might have been that Edmonton Eskimos game involving Warren Moon. Uh, I started following it a little more, You know, found it very interesting throughout the years. And fast forward to 95 when they had the ill-fated American experiment, I actually covered the San Antonio franchise for the San Marcos Daily Record. So I had my opportunity to see a number of CFL games in Texas. I believe my first game was involving, once again, the Edmonton Eskimos. And I was actually shocked to see uh, Darian Hagan, the old Colorado quarterback, playing defensive back. I was like, wow. So that has really been, uh, that was where it started. It has remained the same, and it has definitely increased over the past few seasons, being able to uh, watch the games 
and being able to become familiar with the players and with the player movement. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is amazing how influential those 82 games were. I mean, basically, anybody who was alive and really was a sports fan, because there was so little sports in the States at that time, um, saw those games and remembers those games. I mean, my dad still talks about seeing those games in lieu of American football. So very interesting that that triggered your career, essentially, in the CFL football game. Um, right. Joe, you want to get the ball rolling on the on the real stuff? Yeah, absolutely. So we pre-agency hit yesterday, but we've been hearing about moves for probably about the past 10 days now since the tampering window opened up. Uh, all of a sudden, you're start, starting to see um, players not being able to officially sign, but all of a sudden you're seeing players going left and right. Of course, we start off the offseason with Bo Levi Mitchell ending up in Hamilton, starting the quarterback carousel going. Uh, has there been any moves in the past 10 days that have you just going – that's going to be for some very interesting fantasy football fodder. <laughs> uh, I think the biggest move for me would probably be James Butler going to Hamilton uh, to go along with Bo Levi Mitchell. Uh, the Ticats struggled all season long on the ground last year. They finished seventh overall, but having Butler, you know, one of the number one of three running backs to go over a thousand yards last season, having him as the second leading rusher in the league is going to bring some firepower to that Hamilton offense. Uh, along with Bo Levi Mitchell. To me, I think that was the biggest surprise, and I think that it probably solidifies him off the top of, the, off the top of my head. It probably solidifies him as the number two fantasy back uh, right behind uh, you know, the workhorse out in Montreal. You know, obviously, that guy is going to be uh, – he's going to be your guy. I'm glad you brought up biggest surprise. I was going to bring this up later, but – what about Chris Edwards to the Tie Cats? Where do you, where do you rank that one? Edwards to the Tie Cats is a very interesting move <laughs> uh, to me. Uh, there is definitely going to be some opportunities there for him, uh, and I wouldn't say he's a top twenty guy in my rankings. At the position, but he is probably somebody you would look at and say is a, is a sleeper. I've already kind of identified my sleeper at, at receiver this year, and that's Kayon Julian Grant of the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, very athletic talent, and with obviously the loss of Geno Lewis out to Edmonton, the opportunities are going to be there for Julian Grant to get a lot of targets. I know that Montreal signed Greg Ellingson, but the thing about Julian Grant is that he's one of those guys who can stretch a defense, and he's got an opportunity to make big plays. The question is, is that how and he how will he and Cody Fajardo connect? Fajardo's got the strong arm, would fit well with them. So I think that that's really the case that I'm look. That's really the thing that I'm looking at. I think that you could see Julian Grant, you know, step up and catch 55, 60 passes this season. Probably give you about five or six touchdowns. Chris Edwards may not have been uh, may not be a top 20 guy, but he was, as the official website said, public enemy number one in Hamilton there after a couple of games with Toronto last season. That's that's just why I brought that one up. That was that was kind of like, wow, 
what's the reaction mm-hmm. to this going to be? We're going to we're going to see the ultimate fan turn. I mean, this is this is like when a Yankee goes to the Red Sox or vice versa. <laughs> we're going to see the ultimate. I've hated you for you know X years. Now I love you. This kind of thing. Now, you, um, now you're my guy. So <laughs> right, exactly. So I love you. I'll, I'll buy your jersey. Um, the um, actually, I wanted to ask Joe about this at the time, and I really should have, but I sucked, so I didn't. Um, wanted to ask you guys about this. Not exactly a free agency move, but I thought in some ways one of the strangest moves of the off season was Nathan Rourke being signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars um, just two days after they had beaten the Chargers in the playoffs. Um, And first of all, you know, we closed last year pretty much discussing the possibilities. Okay, does Nathan Rourke go to the NFL? And the general conclusion kind of seemed to be he didn't have the resume yet. You know, I mean, he played half the season, he got injured. You know, it's just like, is that enough? You'd figure they'd want to see more. Um, did this strike you as bizarre at all, Brandon? Even Joe, you can answer this one too. I mean, I was stunned that he signed with Jacksonville. I kind of thought 50 50 that he would sign with an NFL team. Obviously, there are NFL teams that could use him. Uh, as a solid number two, probably a number of teams where he could have compete for uh, competed for the starting job going into next summer. But to sign with Jacksonville, who has their once in a generational quarterback, yeah. and Trevor Lawrence was the thing that stunned the daylights out of me. What does he gain by signing with Jacksonville? I honestly thought that his best bet would be to come back to BC, put up another year of monster numbers, and really be in a position. To where he could have set his price if he wanted to jump to the NFL next winter. Yeah, the the only positive I see about going to Jacksonville, actually, I see two positives. One is he gets to be mentored by Doug Peterson, who's got a pretty good yes. track record with quarterbacks. There's that. Uh, the other thing is he doesn't. He he's going to go to a place where he knows he's not going to be the guy. He's got a chance to learn the system. He's got a chance to develop behind Trevor Lawrence. And he's going to be in a situation where if Trevor Lawrence goes down, maybe he's number two already. But then he's not going to be just thrust in there by a team that's looking for a quick spark. They know that Trevor Lawrence is the guy unless he's hurt. So he's going to have a chance to slowly develop and have a chance to get an NFL pedigree under him before he goes out and starts playing games. Well, that was the thing is that uh, it was something like within the week after the regular season ended, he gave uh, workouts to four teams. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's like, I'm wondering if he's not just playing this card. It's like, look, the salary is going to be good. If he's if he's the actual second string quarterback, the salary is going to be good. And and two, guess what? The season is 17 games now. You know, I mean, maybe this is a lesson that Rourke took away from the CFL is that basically the NFL is playing a CFL schedule. You're going to need that second quarterback. And the third thing is, is the the other backup in Jacksonville right now is this dude. I didn't even write the name down. Sorry, guys. Uh, is this dude from Brown who's still classified as a rookie and he's listed at the same weight 
and one inch taller than Rourke in the media guy. So, you know, I mean, he could stay. He could stick as a backup, play two or three games a year. You know, play in, play in second halves when they're getting blown out or they're blowing out. Could be. I would guess that we'll see what he looks like uh, in August. I'm sure he's going to get the majority of the snaps in the preseason. They're going to yeah. want the opportunity to see exactly what they have in him. And there are no guarantees that he makes the roster. There is always that chance that you know he does not live up to expectations. And all of a sudden, when they do make the final 53, he's either on the practice squad or Heaven forbid, you know, there's always the possibility of him being available for a CFL team to grab in the middle of September, in the middle of uh, August. Right? Wouldn't, yeah. wouldn't that change the dynamic of the league around Labor Day, <laughs> <Yes>. wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what What would happen in that situation? Does BC have first rights? I would venture they would. Yeah. I'd venture that, um, you know, he would just simply go back to BC unless. Uh, uh, some other team is going to go out there and decide, hey, we'll put uh, X amount of draft choices out there in order to get him because you got to figure at some point, at that point in time, late August, early September, there's going to be at least uh, two or three teams that are going to be hard up for a quarterback, be it inconsistent player injury. Mm-hmm. Two or three. I think it'll be like four or five. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. I'm looking, too. <laughs> I'm looking at two teams from the go that are going to have problems that started quarterback um, <laughs> and one of them is 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 mine so um <laughs> let's see what what else do i got okay so i saw a piece on the official website again cfl.ca from uh don landry that was it who you know summed it up by saying that he liked what the tie cats riders red blacks and elks had done Okay, not a big surprise. These are the four teams you expect. These are the three teams that didn't make the playoffs and the last team in, right? We expect a lot of turnover on these teams. However, I'm not sure where he's coming from on the Red Blacks. What I saw out of the Red Blacks mostly was a lot of standing pat. Was that in your impre- was that your impression as well, Brandon? I'm surprised that he would put that in there. Uh, yeah. Signing Evans. Definitely is a plus. They have lacked a go-to receiver since uh, they lost Greg Ellingson a couple of years ago. I'm not sure if that's a uh, a game changer, for lack of a better term. Uh, they defensively they made some good. They did make some good moves. Uh, getting Jovo Santos Knox uh, will certainly help. You know, also getting Carol uh, Carol Brooks uh, is certainly going to help them. Gary Johnson. So those are three defenders that will help impact a defense that obviously has struggled the past couple of years. But it's still pretty much the same offense uh, to me. Are we uh, really thinking that Jeremiah Masoli is going to come back uh, from the injury and look like the Masoli that carried Hamilton uh, to the Grey Cup a couple of years ago? That's a lot in asking. Uh, the running game showed some flashes of potential late last season. But all in all, I don't think that you can look, especially from the offensive side, I don't think that adding Shaq Evans is suddenly going to make Ottawa feel as if they're going to compete for a playoff spot. They're going to really have to rely on the acquisitions on defense 
to make a difference. And they're also going to have to hope that Masoli's 100% and keeping him 100% is going to be a bigger challenge. Yeah, that's so that, yeah, the offense was certainly a big part of the problem last year there. Um, going back to Hamilton, though, it, my my impression is that they're loading up to try to win the Grey Cup at home this year. Is that where you're what you're seeing too? Oh, oh, exactly, exactly. There's no doubt that that's exactly what they're doing. You know, you start with Mitchell, you start with Butler, you go out, you grab Jagarrett Davis, you grab Jameer Thurman uh, as well. You also uh, get uh, Botang and uh, Frazier Sopic. It's not a familiar name, but the guy's an ace on special teams. So that is definitely going to be a difference maker as well. They signed Duke Williams today. And getting Duke Williams is going to be huge for them. Yeah, they lose Stephen Dunbar, but Duke Williams, when he is healthy, this guy is a beast. This is a guy who can be a huge difference maker. And when you have a talent like him paired up with a savvy quarterback like Bo Levi Mitchell, the door is open for a huge pass-catch combination. There is no doubt that this is an all-in season for Hamilton. And they're going, you know, and obviously the first two days of show, they're putting everything, everything but the kitchen sink to make sure that they're going to be playing in the Grey Cup in front of the home fans. They brought Tim White back, too. They did, and that's also a good move as well. Losing Dunbar certainly hurt, but at the same time, you do get Tim White back. White had a great season last year. Uh, phenomenal second season uh, in the league. Uh, pair him with Williams. Uh, they are probably going to right when you start talking about best receiving cores in the league. Hamilton is certainly going to be in a conversation. Do I think that they will be the best? Probably not. But when you've got two bookends like Williams and uh, Williams and uh, White, that's a good foundation for Bo Levi Mitchell to build an offense around. Brandon, it's very, very, very early in what you might call the 2023 CFL season. But as an Alouettes fan, can you talk me off the ledge? I'm already out there, dude. I'm already out there. Look, all the good moves on the eastern side in the first couple couple and a half days of free agency here have been in Hamilton. Toronto has mostly stood pat. Okay, good for them. They'll be good. Red Blacks, again, not a lot. Al's now run by the league, you know, <laughs> taking everybody's second or third choice. You know, I mean, do you believe in Cody Fajardo? Can he win his games? I think he can. I think that Fajardo is going to come in with a chip on his shoulder. You have to remember that he played behind the worst offensive line in the league last season. He mm-hmm. took a well, he took a beating every week, and yeah. it is hard to get. It is hard to throw the ball when you're on the ground almost every other time. Every other time you drop back, I think that he is he on the level of Trevor Harris. No, but he is younger, and he's going to be a lot more mobile. Uh, you've got William Standback, and that's yeah, okay. a huge difference yeah. maker right there. You've got the best running back in the league in your backfield, and if he's healthy. You're looking at a guy that could probably give you 1,200, 1,300 yards and uh, help you win the time position, a field position game. Greg Ellenson is not you know, the best pickup, 
when considering that you lost Geno Lewis, but I think the uh position the player that hurts the most, Jake Winicky. I know Winicky had a pretty yeah. season yeah. last year, but he started to put it on toward the end of the year. Yeah. He started seeing the Winicky of 2021 starting to show, but losing him is yeah. going yeah. to hurt big time. Yeah. Uh you know, Eddie Walter <laughs> Fletcher does help, uh, you know, as far as backfield depth, but Losing Winicky is so underrated, and it is going to hurt that passing game so much to not have him stretching the middle of the field. <laughs> I spent most of last season trying to talk, trying to talk him off the ledge about his team. I feel like I'm going to be doing that a lot this year too. So, uh, it's going to be. I have. The, I think I I'll. Have I the, think I'll be less successful this year than I was last year. <laughs> I I have the confidence of a man who's now on his 187th starting quarterback since we won the Great Cup. <laughs> so somewhere I I don't know I have to check my numbers, but it but it's in that area. Um, okay, uh, let's talk about Joe's least favorite team a little bit here because. You can say one thing about the Riders offseason so far. They're making a lot of moves. Um, is Chris Jones still in charge here in Saskatchewan? No? Okay. Let's see. I've got Trevor Harris as the new quarterback for his fifth CFL team. Uh, Wynicky, like we talked about. Sean Bain is aboard. Jawan Breskin is aboard. Offensive lineman Peter Godbert, Philip Blake are aboard. Defensive lineman Micah Johnson, good signing there, and Stefan Banks, good signing there. Uh, now they lost a few players, Shaq Evans, Duke Williams, as we talked about among them. But pretty good haul so far for the Riders, eh? I would agree. Uh, having Harris definitely is an upgraded quarterback. Uh, I love Sean Bain. I think that this guy is a very good complimentary receiver who at times looked like he could be a feature receiver. There were a couple of games last year where you looked at this guy and thought there was some star potential sitting out there for him. Uh, Wanneke, uh again, I think that he rebounds and looks a lot closer to the guy he was in 2021. Uh, Breskin, if he could stay healthy, that has really been his whole uh, shtick. Uh, yeah. Solid receiver when he's healthy, but that's you know, the question. Can this guy stay healthy? So Trevor Harris, I, I've I've been ranting about this guy for years. Um, great stat guy, not necessarily a big win guy. So this year he's going to kill it in fantasy, eh? I don't know. Uh, yes, he'll kill it uh, because again, you, know, you do add Wynicky, uh, but at the same time they took some hits at receiver. You know, you lose Duke Williams, yes. Justin McGinnis. Is one of, was a solid receiver for them at times last year. Uh, but, again, I, I think that the key question to me with uh, with the Riders is the run game. Uh, can you keep Jamal Moreau on the field? Because when he was healthy early on in the season, my goodness, yeah. there was every reason to think that the Riders could make a play a deep playoff run. Heck, I, there was a point in time where I was thinking this team has the look of a great cup finalist. But when he left, their offense seemed like it sunk because there was no threat in running game. And defenses basically felt like it was open season to go after uh Cody Fajardo. Moreau is healthy this season. And if he is, 
You've got a quarterback in Harris that's going to have, you know, he's going to have a good complement of receivers around him. And Moreau is great as a receiver out of the backfield. I think one of the things that hurt Moreau as well was that they took him away from special teams. He was lethal as a return specialist. And it seemed like the riders were not able to really have that vibe in their return game once they started taking Moreau out of it uh, during the early portion of the season, right before he got injured. Yeah, but what are you going to do? Nobody wants to play special teams. The whole no. the whole goal is to like work your way off the special teams, right? So, yeah. so. But he was one of the best return men in the league right. before he got injured. And right. you know, to be able to have a guy who was capable of giving you, you know, 2,500, all-purpose yards, uh, those guys are few and far between. I like the hope that they give him the opportunity to return kicks this year. Uh, I know that with his size, you don't want to overwork him, but I think that you want to put the ball in his hands as much as possible. It's going to be hard to find that balancing act, but if they could find some of the receipt, if they can find a few receivers to take some of the stress off uh get getting key and schaefer baker back from yes. potentially going to the nfl is going to help with that too it's going to be a, it's going to be a different dynamic on offense too because harris is a good quick passer he's not going to sit there in the pocket all day so that might help the line just on that front too so it's going to be a different look from the offense this year <laughs> very true you're not going to see the deep ball as much as you wanted to see last year i know that you know going into last year uh, the riders wanted to throw deep, and unfortunately, when you don't have an offensive line that can protect you, that is something that is not going to work, and it showed in his numbers when it comes to throwing the deep ball. Okay, how about this one? I, I filed this one under a minor surprise. Uh, the Edmonton Elks did make some moves. Uh, we talked about Eugene Lewis already at wide receiver. Also, Stephen Dunbar and Kylon Moore. Uh, Kevin Brown is also a board running back. And Josiah St. John on the line. But I got to ask you, this is Edmonton. This is Chris Jones. Um, are all these guys going to stay there? Is this just the beginning? Are we actually going to see a mellow offseason from Edmonton? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. I'm hoping that you do. Uh, when you look at the firepower, certainly Elks fans have reason to feel excited about going into the season. Uh, you add more. You grab the best receiver in the league in Lewis. You add Stephen Dunbar to go along the fact that you had uh, Dylan Mitchell, who was on fire late last season. He had a run of like four or five straight 100-yard games. Uh, plus, you add Kevin Brown, who was a huge revelation uh, late in the season and gave them a ground game. Taylor Cornelius, if he's healthy, then I think that you know, Elks fans can feel good about uh, their offense. They may play a lot of high-scoring games this season because the defense will still have some challenges. But at the same time, if you're Edmonton, you still have a couple of quarterbacks that are intriguing. If something happens to Taylor Cornelius, I'm pretty sure they're going to want to love to see what they have in Trey Ford as well. So, yeah, they re-signed Cornelius to an extension, but it's not a guarantee because if he does struggle, I'm pretty sure Jones is going to you know, have a quick hook and decide, hey, you know what, I've got this explosive first-round pick that I've got right in the bench, so I might as well see what I have in him. 
you know, I would not be surprised that at some point this year you have something of a quarterback controversy at, at, at Edmonton if Cornelius falters and opens the door for Ford to step up and make plays. Yeah, I, throughout all of last year, I said this is an extended preseason for Edmonton. This whole season is going to be preseason. Jones is going to make changes. He's going to try to find the guys he wants. And then once he's found what his core is going to be, Next offseason, which would be this one now, we're going to see him build around that, and then we'll see what a Chris Jones team looks like, because that that team had a complete lack of talent going into last year, but it's going to be interesting to see if he can make, if he could take the foundation he found last year at the end, because they were a different team by the end of the season than they were at the start. It's going to be interesting to see if they can take that core and they've added some building blocks. It's going to be it's going to be really interesting to see if they can get off to a fast start this year. How how the trajectory of that franchise is going to be. They've so it's almost get- like it. It's almost like the lack of you know major moves or the or the lack of the revolving door indicates Jones's satisfaction with this core bunch. I would agree. Uh, the fact that he now has that core is going to get, again, it's going to make him feel very comfortable. And again, I agree completely with Joe. If they get off to a fast start, things become very interesting in Edmonton. They've got to get the home win, of course, first. But uh, the way they played at the end of last year, there are times where you start to think, it's like, yeah, they had a few more pieces here and there. This is a team that could make the jump from uh, being out of the playoffs and into the postseason this year. And with what they've done, again, if they can stay consistent at quarterback, I think that this is a team that could probably flirt and win maybe nine or ten games this year. Yeah, see, I'm just, I, I, I know we're going to get to some out outrageous way too soon predictions momentarily it's way too soon to be talking about stuff like this but just on paper looking at it right now you've got the riders they're going to score some points elks are going to score some points bombers going to score some points right joe i would hope so we can count on (laughs) that right meanwhile i'm looking at the team with probably the biggest turnover and most of it was outward facing which is the calgary stampeders now Including they had they lost five guys from their defense, five top guys from their defense, three of which went to Hamilton. Um, is this a year for a Calgary letdown? All good things come to an end, and I do think that this is probably a year where you're going to see some struggles out in Calgary. You can't afford to lose the level of defensive players that they have. You just can't replace a guy like a Jameer Thurman. Or uh, overload, uh, or a or a mole. Uh, okay, help me with the pronunciation. <laughs> You're doing as well as we could. Okay, <laughs> Yo, you, you lose a stud defensive lineman, and you lose Javian Elliott. You also lose uh, Bain as well. Yeah, I, I think that this is a season where they are going to struggle a bit this year. Yo, could they fall and uh, become a 500 team? Maybe, but again, you have to account for the coaching. And anytime the thing with Calgary is that you can't count them out. Anytime you feel like this is a team that, you know, they look like on paper they're going to struggle, lo and behold, they put everything together and they are going to win another 10 or 11 games this year. I don't know if that's the case, 
but I don't want to bet against Calgary. But in my hunch no. tells me <laughs> that this is a team that's going to struggle. But would I put money on that? Yeah, no. Really, well, they were See, actually really close. I, I I believe every game they played against Winnipeg, and they had like three in like the span of like six or seven weeks last year. All of them were nail biters. They were that close to being above a 10-win team. Uh, and like you said, the coaching, the organization there, they're going to fight fight and scratch and claw and find a way to and find a way to still be competitive. But one of these years, it's going to be that year where they finally lost too many players at one time. Yeah. I mean, this year. Yeah, this this happens. And 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 that's the thing, uh, Brandon, is that I would literally put money on it. I would literally bet against Calgary this year. Because again, I think that, you know, this might be a situation where there's a lot of teams on the rise. You've got the what? Seven time defending champs now, Joe? How how long it seems like forever. How how long have the bombers been champs now? Of the West? Just really just two they got hot at the end of 2019 at the right time and they've owned the west the last two years that's all it's been right 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 right. so it seems like forever um yeah um in any case all right let's go on because i gotta get out of here to be honest but we'll get you out of here cameron as well let's go on to this is the first show of the year so let's do some outrageous too early predictions uh would you like to make any predictions in general on the year cameron and um are you ready to pick a winner already <laughs> i'm not gonna pick a winner uh, okay. yeah, no, no I, I will not. No, 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 no. It's okay. Nobody remembers I, I these not, No, I don't think that there is. I don't see anyone a win. I don't see a winner or a clear cut winner as of right now. I will say this. I will make a bold prediction. Okay. I will say that Duke Williams, if healthy, is the best receiver in the league at the end of the year. He leads the league in rece- he leads the league in receiving yardage. He leads the league in receiving touchdowns. I can okay. see him seventeen hundred receiving yards, 12, 13 touchdowns. Okay, now coming from a fantasy guy, that's that's important. Okay, Joe, would you like to get the ball, uh, your own personal ball, rolling on this? Would you like to get in an early outrageous prediction? Early outrageous prediction. Uh-huh. Hmm. you know it's difficult because i I see hamilton and montreal swapping places i don't see enough changes to anybody else to really think that they go way up or way down yet but i think my bull prediction is that bc still finishes second whereas people are going to think that there's going to be a drop off with work you're going to give uh, Vernon Adams Jr. a full offseason to learn that playbook instead of getting thrown right in there with wow. the talent he's got around him. I could see them holding off Calgary. I could see them holding off whichever of Edmonton or Saskatchewan takes the right turn. One of them's going to one of them's going to shoot up and one of them's going to stay down. I just don't know which yet. But I think they hold off both of those and stay in second place and compete with Winnipeg for the full season. Okay. 
I'll make an easy prediction. There'll be a crossover from west to east. But I'll tell you right now, I don't think the Alouettes or the Red Blacks are going to make the playoffs again. <laughs> there you go. I'll get both of those in there. I don't think any of those is outrageous, except that it's so early. Um, <laughs> all right. All right. So, oh, wait. I want to break out one more thing. I haven't done this in a while. Brandon's a new victim. I mean, guest on the show. So <laughs> okay. I'm going to ask him. Uh, Brandon, used to ask this question of our guests. What would you say are your three favorite teams? Any, any, any sport. But my three favorite. Okay, number one's easy. rank them. Number one's easy. Philadelphia Eagles. Been an Eagles fan since '85. Okay. That's number okay. One. Well, condolences, but Thank not you. too much because I did pretty well in the Super Bowl. I, I oh, won a nice oh, chunk of change. Glad, glad to hear that. But yeah, you know, but I'll take the point. <laughs> okay. Sorry about your Eagles, man. You'll be back. We'll be back. Yeah, we'll be back. Oh, Eagles number one. Uh, number two, I uh, would probably say uh team I've been rooting for since maybe the mid to late 80s, the Denver Nuggets. Oh, okay. Nice. Alex nice. English. Since uh, Alex English. Wow. Alex English, yeah. All right. Alex English, yeah. All and right. number three, uh, I have to stay loyal to the college I went to. Uh, I would have to say Texas State Athletics. Nice. They loyal. We stink as a football team. We stink as a football team. Our basketball team's mediocre. Baseball team's okay. Softball's good. But I have to stay loyal to the school. So I'd say Texas State is my number three. I I I, I really enjoy the NBA as well. So I got to go back and ask you about the Nuggets. Um, which player have you found more exciting to watch as a fan? Would you go with Alex English or would you go with Matumbo or would you go with Jokic? I would have to say Jokic easily on that yeah. one. <laughs> the fact that you know, a seven-footer that passes like a six-two guard yeah. and has the move and you know, and shoots like a six-six small forward. Yeah, uh, this guy is amazing. He is one of he is a generational talent. And to think that this guy is only 27 years old. He's going to win an NBA championship before it's all said and done, and I wouldn't be surprised if he does it this year. Uh, to me, if they keep Michael Porter Jr. and uh, Jamal Murray healthy, there's no reason to think that this team can't make a run to the finals this year. Uh, there's no reason to think that uh, Jokic won't win a third straight MVP. I know that there are mm. guys like you know, Giannis, uh Giannis Embiid, you know, guys like that that are putting up monster seasons. I'll throw in uh the kid from Dallas that everyone loves, uh Jokic, uh, but Adonsic, I should say, but Nikola Jokic is the best player in the NBA. And if he's healthy, the Denver Nuggets will be the best team in the NBA. I don't know if Doncic can get the Mavericks into the playoffs despite Kyrie Irving. I think that would be a big plus for his MVP chances. Right. So believe it or not, this has been the Bruce White Blue CFL podcast. Uh, thanks to our guest, Brandon C. Williams. Brandon, where can people check out your stuff? Uh, they can check me out on uh, CFL CAA. I will actually put up some fantasy football-related stuff in the next couple of weeks. Okay. Uh, you can uh, find me now on the brand-new uh, Spoutable website. At BC Williams 71. I still do check my Twitter at BC 71 as well. 
Or if you want to find me on Facebook, Brandon C. Williams, you can see my face. I usually put out uh, my work uh, or announce what I'm doing ahead of time. Okay, great. So thanks to Brandon for showing up. Thanks to my co-host, Joe Pritchard, for co-hosting as always. I'm Oz Davis. This has been Who's Right Who's CFL Podcast. We will talk to you next couple of weeks. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.